0: Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Nelson, and welcome to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops, the podcast devoted to all things winter maintenance. The Snow and Ice Cooperative Program, or Psychop for short, is one of Ashto's technical service programs. And one of our primary objectives is to share information about winter maintenance, operations, and road weather. On this episode, we're continuing our series on PIARC's 16th World Winter Service and Road Resilience Congress being planned for February 2022 in Calgary, Alberta. Now, the theme of the conference is adapting to a changing world, which seems to be happening at many different levels these days. On this episode, we're going to spend some time with Troy McLeod, Director of Roads at the host city of Calgary. Hi, Troy, and welcome to Psychop Talks Winter Ops. Hi, Rick, and
1: thank you for having me.
0: You know, when I'm visiting with somebody who's been in the winter maintenance business for a while, the conversation always seems to come around to the winter's these days are wetter or colder, warmer, lighter, snowier. You know, you pick the adjective, you know, than they used to be. The the weather's the weather has changed, right? It's not what we what we used to expect. Now, when you throw in the impacts of the COVID pandemic and you know you, you have sort of a double whammy on the winter maintenance program. You've got the the climate issues that that you're wrestling with and you've got some changing travel patterns. troy, how how is this playing out in Calgary? Are, are you seeing the same kinds of, of things that uh, other folks are seeing?
1: Yes, we're certainly part of the global climate, and we're seeing a, a much different way of uh, attacking storms and having to deal with a number of different challenges. Uh, both in our city and and like we're experiencing across the globe, uh, just with the pandemic and different ways that people are using the network. Uh, And so those are certainly all things that we're considering and um, have had some pretty uh, significant storms of late uh, just at the end of last year, just over a 40 centimetre snowstorm in less than 24 hours. And so those are not typical storms for us in, in Calgary. And so we're seeing more frequent events like that. And certainly having some challenges in how we're able to respond to it, but looking at different ways of uh, using the fleet and infrastructure we have to be able to address the situation that we experience from time to time.
0: When uh, Chris was on, um, you know, in in a previous episode, Chris Hewitt uh, works for you at at uh, roads maintenance was on, you know he was sort of explaining how the the climate of Calgary works. You have this, uh, you're called the Chinook City, right? So you get these yeah. Chinook winds that that come in and that impact the way you you do business. How are things changing for you from a climate perspective?
1: Well, it certainly is a challenge, and, and you're right. Um, things uh, have changed from a climate perspective. We have seen more severe storms. And uh, in Calgary, we definitely have a unique location. where We're, we're uh, near the mountains and we do receive Chinooks. And yeah, that can be a benefit, but oftentimes it does make it challenging to manage snow and ice control events. Um, and from a perspective of how do we manage things differently, expectations are changing as well, along with uh, the storm events that we're having. And we're wanting to be able to serve Uh, mobility uh, in a much greater uh, level of service in our city, especially when it comes to um, pedestrians and cyclists, as well as our neighborhoods. We have over 9,000 lane kilometers in our residential areas. And through COVID, we've seen a lot more activity in our neighborhoods from a goods delivery perspective, but also just from a a use of the network perspective when it comes to pedestrians um, making more use of their local neighborhoods and expecting uh, greater levels of service in those areas when normally our service levels didn't address those to the same degree we would say in the downtown core. And so those are things that we're looking at trying to provide ways of providing an increased level of service.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think some of these changes that have happened with respect to the pandemic, you know, and thinking about, about travel patterns, I don't think we're ever going to go back to pre-COVID like conditions I, I mean the the tools to telecommute are have, have been ad- adapted and accepted uh, video teleconferencing I mean from a business point of view right so the things that that might take people into a downtown core might not necessarily be there when, when you think of the business environment
1: that's correct, yeah, certain things are uh, being managed differently, um, certainly when we were first in uh, COVID and experiencing the change in our network, we saw actually a fairly level in and an increase in goods movement uh, and, and truck traffic. And so uh, from that perspective, um, having the ability to have that uh, high level of service on, say, a residential network road uh, compared with, say, a major road certainly did change the expectations and need for uh, that, that new type of business or that greater level of service in that in that industry, uh, when it came to deliveries and and things like that,
0: are, are you going through a, a a process of of like changing your snow plan, or, or or are you are you making a you know some decisions to change what what those priority routes might be? You know, maybe you had a a, a high priority route leading into a downtown area, maybe, or or maybe you're seeing more high priority routes, you know, into the into the neighborhoods.
1: So, yes, we are revisiting our snow and ice control policy and two major areas of change for us would be uh, one on pedestrian management and how we're serving, especially crossings. Uh, Obviously, when a snowstorm hits, there's windrows are created. We have high priority locations that we make sure are cleared from a bus pad perspective or transit perspective, but also crossing opportunities to make sure those crossing opportunities are clear of snow and clear windrows. And so, again, prioritizing how we address uh, those crossings. Uh, The second area is around our our neighborhoods. Um, Because of the activities and needs within local neighborhoods, we're seeing a change in how that service delivery is provided. So typically on our snow and ice control plan, we wouldn't be into those types of roadways until, say, the third or fourth day of our snow and ice control plan. We would focus on our priority ones and two uh, routes within the first couple days and then Um, the lower priority roads uh, later in the snow and ice control plan. The expectation now is for us to address those earlier, especially when we get greater accumulations. Um, So those are ways that we're trying to improve the level of service that we're providing uh, across the network, but we obviously can't uh, cover the entire network within the first day or two of a storm. So we do need to look at ways that we can augment other service providers uh, whether it's contracted services or partners uh, within the city.
0: Yeah, I, w- I was just going to ask, um, you know, if, if you're seeing like an increase in in higher priority routes, um, you know, how how are you going about, you know, addressing that? I mean, you, you, I'm sure you have limited resources, right? I mean, we all do that. We've only got so many trucks and so many plows and 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 that sort of thing. Um are you you looking at maybe some different kinds of equipment or or using equipment in sort of a non-traditional way?
1: Yes, absolutely. We're exploring a couple of opportunities. And one, uh, when it comes to especially those neighborhood roads that I was talking about is we have an entire fleet of uh, tandem vehicles that uh, are in those neighborhoods through our blue, green, and black cart service. And how could we make use of that fleet as well during a snowstorm and equip it with a way that it could help us at least clear snow or knock down uh, accumulations uh, so that we can make the roads passable. Uh, But we still need the ability to apply material uh, depending on the type of storm we're into. And so looking at that fleet and how it could support us, uh, we're also looking at our transit fleet and uh, seeing if there are any opportunities because that is a key network on our collector system to make sure that those roads are passable and accessible for those that uh, require transit service. And so looking at a couple of options there, um, again, partnering with the construction industry um, and and seeing what availability um, graders are from uh, the construction industry, obviously in wintertime, uh, they have capacity from a fleet perspective, but maybe not from a human resource perspective. So looking at how we can have uh, support from, from the industry as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, now, when you say the the, um, the blue and the green and, and the black, you're talking about your waste management group, right?
1: That's correct. Yes, they're into every neighborhood uh, throughout the week. And so looking at ways that we could maybe suspend that service during a significant storm event, um, make use of either the resources and or fleet, uh, along with uh, providing snow and ice control service. And then uh, as, as we get further into our snow and ice control plan and, and conditions have improved, uh, look at ways that we could support them and provide that uh, black, blue, or green cart service later on, um, and communicate it uh, real time through text alerts and whatnot to customers, saying, "Hey, you know what? We're actually going to suspend black cart for the next couple of days uh, while we take care of this storm event, and we'll be back to see you in, in the next couple of days. So please watch for the notice to put your cart out, and we'll be we'll be in your neighborhood to help you out with that."
0: Troy, what kinds of of uh, outreach? Are you doing, you know, as, as, as you go through this process with your, with your, uh, snow and ice control plan and, and, you know, you're, you've got some priorities that are changing and, and that sort of thing. How, how do you reach out into the community to like get their input and, and, uh, make them part of the process?
1: Well, we have a number of ways that we do communicate with customers, but to reach out and, and to really understand um, it, it's great to have conversations like you and I are having, but uh, those are hard to have across the entire city. So, we rely on a number of systems for us to be able to collect that information. One primary source for us is our 311 system. And so, that's a, a service call system where, where you dial 311 and can talk to an operator or submit ideas and, cons- and concerns uh, that you have regarding service for a variety of services that the city of Calgary provides. And so we have specific questions that we will put into, say, if there's a snow and ice control call, we may have additional questions that we ask um, our citizens. If they have a bit more time to be able to talk with us and get information that way, uh, clearly through the web, uh, we, can, we receive uh, submissions that way as well. Um, and then uh, just through, through dialogue with our, with our own staff and things that they observe, uh, we're able to collect information on the levels of service that we're having. And then we've adopted a few things that uh, help customers see where we are anytime. So you can go online and see where uh, our services are and how long it's been since we've say been uh, near your home for uh, snow and ice control uh, and and provide information that way, but also feedback. So those are a couple of ways, but clearly a, a nice dialogue to have is through open houses and we have a number of those and we incorporate that uh, when we do engage communities, we also have other uh, things that we want to improve our network with. And so we'll ask snow and ice control related questions. Um, and we have a number of other partners that uh, we work with, such as Calgary Police, uh, Fire EMS, and uh, collect information from our partners just so that we can make sure we're providing the best level of service throughout the year.
0: I know uh, I know a lot of folks that, that use their AVL system, you know, the, the track-a-plow systems, you know. Uh, that, that just is such a positive, uh, piece of any kind of, a uh, public relations travel or information kind of, uh, a perspective. Cause you know, when you look out the window, it's like, you're seeing that, you know, that 10 second snapshot, you don't know if the plow's coming or, or, uh, how long it's been since it's been there and, and that sort of thing. So I think that, that goes a long way. I wish I would have had something like that when I was a district engineer back in the day, um.
1: That's right. It certainly helps, especially when someone does say phone in and, and wonders uh, where are the plows. I haven't seen one. We are able to tell real time where uh, activity is and, and what we're doing as far as priorities go. So it definitely does provide a good communication tool, but also a good management tool for us to be able to track and do some analytics on how well we responded to a storm event. Um, you know, you know,
0: you you talked about your three one one program, and and I think that that's probably. Very similar to five one one that we have, which is a, yeah. a consumer, you know, a, like a traveler information kind of a a program, community service kind of a program. Um, do you have another uh, any other big social media presence uh, that that you use for uh, conveying information or or for ingesting information from folks?
1: Uh, just through our website is is one way. We do have a, have a way for people to sign up for alerts. And so if you uh, had a uh, route that was a parking ban route, um, you could receive an alert, uh, say we need to go into an area and have a parking ban that that could be received through a text alert um, and and you can see it on the website. Uh, So those are some tools that we use to be able to communicate uh, to customers and especially uh, areas where we have a high priority needs. And so that's definitely an opportunity for people uh, to communicate with us um, and sign up for those alerts. And so they're free um, and, and the, you can get the information they want and, and well as they can go online and look at our website and see where we are as far as uh, any of our roadway operations. So it's very helpful from an event perspective, say there's an incident, but also where our regular activity is happening.
0: You know, it's um, it, it's something that that I, I don't think of. As often as as maybe I should have, you know, my background has been in the highways business, and and parking isn't isn't like a something that we have to wrestle with all the time, right? If, mm-hmm. if, if somebody's alongside the road, it's because they've had an emergency situation or whatever, and and our approach is to to get them out of the way. But but you have an entire population that is used to parking on your facility, and and uh, the the parking ban. How does that work? How does the parking ban work uh, for you?
1: Right. So the uh, system is divided up into four priority areas. So our priority one routes, are major roads typically don't have a lot of parking on them. They're typically full time restrictions Uh, where parking mostly occurs in our priority two, three and four routes. And so how a parking ban would work is it would align with our snow and ice control plan. And when we needed an area to be restricted of vehicles so that we can do clearing or snow removal, we would initiate a, a warning, a 24-hour notice typically we put out through the media as well as our, our communication system, whether it's a text alert or a web. Uh, that information is put out and then we actually invoke the ban itself and that typically lasts up to 72 hours. Depending on the storm, we don't often need that full amount of time. We're able to get through those routes within uh, 36 to 50 hours uh, uh, to get all those roadways clear and and Uh, create room for more Mm -hmm. snow is, and and that's often what people um, don't realize is we need to get that out of the way so that we can manage that curbside space for businesses and for residents uh, to be able to access those land uses. And so that ban goes into effect. And then um, we, we often don't do a lot of towing, but we will tow vehicles. Uh, Typically it's enforcement based. And so uh, we've been seeing very good compliance since we've introduced the ban almost, I think seven, eight years ago now, um, so that's been very effective where we don't currently uh, operate many parking vans is in residential areas, which is our largest network road in the uh, the lower priority routes. But we do have the ability through this snow and ice control policy update is to introduce parking bands on those roads as well. And what we would do then is we'd call the priority two routes and that would uh be completed and that would open up space for residents to move their vehicles into priority two areas while we were focusing on the lower priority routes so that's how it would work in the future we haven't called one yet on a residential network area but we will if we receive another storm like we saw at the end of uh, uh, the year last year uh, near Christmas time mm-hmm. uh, we would need to probably call a residential parking ban just so that we can uh, make the roads passable and accessible
0: yeah you you, you know that's that's, uh, that's true. You have to have some place for those cars to go, right? They, uh, yeah. they don't just magically, uh, uh, disappear. Troy, what are some, what are some things that are, uh, that, that you're working on right now? The, um, you know, it's like, what keeps you awake at night when it comes to your winter maintenance program? What are, what are some of the, the real pressing issues that, that you have working for you there?
1: I think the the main thing is to just uh, make sure that we are assessing storms uh, with the appropriate response and obviously pre-wetting has been a a very effective tool for us to make sure one uh, prior to a storm so that the material does adhere to uh, the surface where we don't pre-wet a high percentage up to 70-80% of the material uh, that we put down is lost uh, with, with traffic flow so Um, That is a key thing is to make sure we're applying the right materials at the right time and the right amount. Um, So those would be the things that we make sure we are well-trained. And so we do take a lot of time in preparing for winter um, season Mm. to make sure our staff are are well-trained and um, uh, supported with equipment and material. So obviously stockpiling and making sure we have uh, the appropriate material ahead of a storm and that we're monitoring that Um, and, and, uh, making sure that we have the resources we need for whatever event is coming because we have several, um, within our city. Uh, we can see in some cases storms where we could have 10 to 20 centimeters in one part of the city and, and another part of the city doesn't even get any snow or very little. Wow. And so it's, it's just how we manage different events. And so we do rely quite heavily on our forecast system and our networks, um, and detection systems that are in place to be able to to manage an event they're they're fairly can be fairly complex some are fairly straightforward storms, but some are not
0: with respect to budgets you know it just seems to me that that in a in a municipality, trying to parse out the budgets into the different categories is, is such a difficult job um, because like I say you don't you don't know how much winter you're gonna have. And what you invest in winter is money you can't invest other places. The The economy has taken a hit, right? Yeah. I mean, it, at least it has for us. It has for um, us, yeah. And, and so when when those resources aren't there, um, you know, when the user fees aren't there, that now you have to make some really tough decisions about, do I buy equipment? Do I buy technology services? Uh, being in your shoes, trying to weigh that risk you know, what's next winter going to look like and where do I put my resources is is probably just a a heck of a tough decision that you have to make.
1: It certainly is a a challenging decision from year to year. Uh, A couple of things that have helped us in uh, conducting our snow and ice control operation is creating a reserve. And so a number of years ago when we reviewed our snow and ice control policy is council supported a snow and ice control reserve. And what that does is it does help us from a, a seasonality perspective. If if we do have a favorable year and, and we've been able to uh, have lower expenditures, we're able to use those funds and put into reserve for future years. And so there were a couple of years where we had some, some really um, low accumulation and, and favorable weather conditions. And so we we're able to uh, put money into the reserve. And then there's the last two or three years we've had significant winter um, storms and and, uh, seasons and we've drawn from that reserve and so that has helped at least from a uh, budget flowing perspective is that we haven't had to uh, go to council to request additional funds um, based on a storm because of the reserve and the way that functions and so that's been helpful uh, so that we're able to respond appropriately when it comes to uh, winter storms significant ones. The other thing that has happened at least in Calgary is council has been investing in active modes when it comes to snow and ice control and accessibility and providing high priority locations from a uh, higher service level perspective. So an example of that is we used to respond to um, sidewalks um, on our network within six days of of a winter storm. And if it snowed again, we wouldn't be into those areas for again, another six days. And Uh, Additional resources were added to our budget to be able to respond within 24 hours, the same as our bylaws. So a homeowner is responsible to clear their sidewalk within 24 hours after the snow stops falling. Uh, We are now able to do the same on uh, infrastructure that we own and operate. And so there have been additional investments that have been made to provide better accessibility um, as well as uh, improved pedestrian access on the network. Uh, but from a budgeting perspective, there's always there's always a tension from uh, providing higher levels of service and a reasonable uh, budget. Uh, from a lane kilometer perspective, we're over sixteen thousand lane kilometers, so we have a substantial network to cover um, with a with a relatively limited. Uh, fleet and uh, resource perspective. So from an efficiency perspective, we're doing quite well when compared with other jurisdictions. Um, But we also have a different climate than other jurisdictions. Uh, Some jurisdictions don't get those Chinooks that we talked about earlier. And one of the things that the Chinooks do afford us, it creates uh, freeze-thaw cycles, which is harder on our infrastructure, um, but does uh, allow us to have less uh, snow removal requirements depending on on how many events we have and how long they last. Um, so we don't have to haul to our, our snow dump facilities as often uh, okay. because of that. And so that does help with some of our costs. Uh, but there have been times where we've had to do citywide snow and ice control uh, removal. And that can cost in one storm up to $13 million. And, and our wow. budget is is just under $50 million. And so when you think of that, if you had to do that a couple of times, it, it completely eliminates your ability to provide regular service throughout the winter so yeah it is a challenge Um, one of the ways and tools we have is a regular communication with our our council on um, how our our snow and ice control service is going and how far Mm -hmm. behind or ahead we are on that and so creating that communication channel uh, with the decision makers has been very positive Um, just to be having that awareness around how we are managing and then obviously three-on-one helps the uh, counselors gauge how well the service is going from a winter. Obviously, they live in the city, so they see it. Sure. But hearing from their hearing from their constituents helps. And so we've had storms where we get up to twelve thousand uh, calls on a, on a major event, wow. and uh, other lo- other times of year, you know, obviously much fewer. And so that that helps uh, at least gauge on how well uh, the service is being perceived. Obviously, everybody would like to see their street cleared within a few hours of a storm, right? <laughs> right. And uh, it's obviously not possible given the resources we have. And so, I guess it is a challenge for every municipality, and it's the one that we are no different. We have the same challenge. But I think one positive tool is that snow and ice control reserve. It does help flex depending on right. uh, the type of year you have from a snow and ice control perspective.
0: Yeah, you, you know, you mentioned um, you mentioned getting on the sidewalks. Uh, right away. You know, I, I think that, that probably is uh, a, a real positive piece. You know, when you think about, you know, uh, social economic and, and a diverse, from a diversity point of view, not everybody has a car, not everybody rides in a car, uh, you know, in a, in a, a network like you have to manage, uh, you really do touch all of those modes. You, you've got folks that rely heavily on on all of those modes from transit to cycles to pedestrians that, that you have to work with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, you know, especially when we saw through COVID, uh, our pathway system, uh, we currently only had budget for about 50% of our pathway system. But uh, recognizing that people wanted to get out and do something because of having to be isolated, Uh, we took the initiative, the city um, leadership took the initiative to allow us to clear uh, nearly 100% of our pathway system uh, to allow people in their neighborhoods to go and enjoy uh, those systems during winter when we normally wouldn't clear those facilities as part of our regular budgeting. So again, just responding to the needs of communities and being dynamic with uh, how we provide that service. And and it was well received um, as people couldn't go to their normal places where they would, say, um, congregate and get together uh, with others in the parks and, and whatnot or other pathway systems that were normally cleared. They were able to use the facilities near their neighborhoods.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, it, it seems like, you know, I, I almost want to touch wood when I say this. It, it seems like COVID is sort of becoming, well, we're, we're either we're getting used to it or we're winning the battle uh, do you see things sort of returning to more of a, a pre-COVID kind of a, uh, a level with respect to the kinds of service that you have to provide, your, your workforce, uh, that sort of thing? Or are we just learning to live with it better?
1: So I think a number of things have changed, uh, like you said, but we're, we're, I think, adapting quite well. To it, as far as communities go, we saw higher use of our our pathway and pedestrian networks during COVID. We uh, adjusted our facilities uh, when traffic volumes reduced, and and converted roadways into pathways. Essentially, um, in a number of areas, we converted parking lanes into patios uh, to provide that distancing required for for restaurants and, and businesses. And so, having done that, we certainly seen an adjustment to. How our uh, roadways have been adapted and, and used. Uh, but we still have the challenge of uh, winter where uh, we do need to have that, uh, those facilities cleared. Um, and, and conditions are difficult to manage during storms, and our staff, even how uh, we interact, changed so that we could make sure that people were, uh, our staff were kept safe and, and had the appropriate uh, distancing and whatnot to be able to make sure all the crews could get out when needed. And so, again, that frontline service was continued throughout COVID and, and continues um, uh, as we all continue through the pandemic. So I think we are making uh, the adjustments that we needed to, but we're seeing other demands on the network that we hadn't seen in the past, um, such as the adaptive roadways or patios. That does make uh, for snow and ice control challenging. And so as winter approaches, we we scale back those operations so that we can make sure the networks are are open and accessible for uh, the needed, the needed facilities uh, for transit and for, for auto and pedestrian.
0: You know, with the, um, with the Pyart Congress <clears throat> coming to Calgary, or it was supposed to come to Calgary in 2022. Right. Um, I I really wish uh, it, it would have, things would have been different where we could have come to visit your city. It, it sounds like a really dynamic, uh, interesting place with, with lots of, uh, good winter maintenance uh, techniques at play. I uh, I hope that through these few podcasts we get to share a little bit about about your your city and your operation with folks that that maybe wish they could have come, but but this this might have to be the the next best thing.
1: Yeah, you know what? We're fortunate to be able to still connect with our colleagues. We learn a lot from our colleagues, and so it, it's such a great network. And we're so thankful for PiArc and uh the sharing of knowledge. Everyone is always so open um to sharing uh their learnings and, and ideas. And so you know that's the great part of this industry is that we that we build off each other's knowledge. Um, we all have different challenges, but a lot of the challenges are the same. Uh, but we do face uh we do face interesting uh microclimates and different parts of the world and so definitely seeing some uh neat applications done across the globe. And uh, do look forward to getting together with everyone at at the Congress again. Uh, although not in person, we'll certainly be able to connect uh, virtually and and uh, celebrate the great success that we all do in our respective cities and whatnot. Um, but thankful for the organization and all the work it does.
0: Troy, is there a message that you'd like to leave us with?
1: You know, I, I think we've had a good conversation. And I guess I would just add that um, as... We provide service to citizens, and uh, I think the best success you can have is that people don't know you exist, in a sense, uh, because if we do our job right, then people can uh, go about their day and do the things they need to do. It's the, I think it's the greatest thing that we can have is to do the work we do and serve citizens to be able to um, help them get around the city and, and have uh, the life that they have that, that's better because of the work we do. And uh, that we're just a, a silent partner when it comes to that. So, just thankful for the many men and women across the globe that do this uh, work day in day out, and uh, just want to thank them for for making cities and lives better across our globe.
0: I think that that was that's an excellent uh, wrap up, Troy. You you really hit the nail on the head. So, with with that, Troy, I, I want to thank you for sharing your approach to, to winter operations there at Calgary and, and the kinds of changes and things that that you've had to, uh, to go through and endure.
1: Well, and thank you. And uh, just appreciate all the work you do to be able to uh, communicate across uh, uh, this channel. And uh, just thank you for your hard work. And uh, it was such a pleasure to meet you and talk with you today. All right, Troy. Th- thanks again. Now, don't
0: forget to register for PyArk's 16th World Winter Service and Road Resilience Congress. The fully online event is set for February 7th through 11th, 2022. You can go to www.pyark-calgary2022.org for more information. As always, if there's a topic you'd like more information on or someone with an interesting story you'd like us to visit with, send me an email at rnelson at ashto.org and we'll do our best to make it happen. Psychop Talks Winter Ops is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, just about any place you go for your podcast content. Give us a like and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. In addition, you can find our episodes on our website at psycop.transportation.org. Support for PsyCOP comes from state DOTs who make an annual contribution of $4,000. It's because of those states that PsyCOP Talks Winter Ops and the other resources to help you achieve your winter maintenance mission are possible. Until next time, thanks for listening in and stay safe out there.